Well, welcome everyone to this session. I am so excited that you are here because you are in for such a treat. We have the privilege of having Hunter Clark Fields with us. Welcome, Hunter. We're so excited to have you join us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes. And Hunter is going to be sharing with us today six ways parents of tweens and teens can be less busy, prioritize self-care, and raise kind, confident, and conscious kids. And oh my gosh, do we need more of that? I know I, know I do. So before we jump in, Hunter, I want to start out by telling everyone a little bit about you if they don't already know you. So Hunter is a mindfulness mentor, mindful parenting podcast host, global speaker, and number one best-selling author of Raising Good Humans. Now you know her. <laughs> awesome book, and Raising Good Humans Every Day, which just came out in August. And she is a mindfulness meditation teacher and creator of the Mindful Parenting Course and Teacher Training. Hunter has over 20 years of experience in meditation and yoga practice and has taught mindfulness to thousands worldwide. She presents talks on parenting, is a certified teacher of parent effectiveness training, and helps moms bring more calm and family cooperation into their daily lives. And Hunter is also the mother of two active daughters who challenge her every day to hone her craft. I love that. So let's just start out, Hunter, by sharing a little bit of your story and what led you to write the two positive parenting books and to be teaching classes now. Sure. I mean, I come to this work, I like to say, because I was not good at it because it was something that I was really, really struggling in. Parenting is incredibly hard. I think it's so funny how we have these ideas of what parenting is going to be like kind of before we get there. I always thought like that, that I would just be holding my daughter hand in hand. We'd be walking through art museums. Yeah. Right. Um, anyway, <laughs> I, I got really, um, when my daughter was around two or so, I got really triggered. I got a lot, I had a lot of anger, you know, it's crazy to look back at those pictures and see how cute she was because I was really struggling. It was a really hard time for me because I was, being not being the parent that I wanted to be and then I would go and learn good you know really good advice good tools good tactics but all of these things that then I just simply couldn't implement because I was my stress response was happening and I was getting stressed so I realized that this a lot of this information and work that was kind of underlying sort of the art of parenting that wasn't even being talked about this foundational work of like how of us as parents and how do we get to a place where we are regulated enough to use our whole brain how do we understand why some of these things our kids say and do trigger us and give us outsized reactions right how do we do that all that and so this information from the world of mindfulness that I had been reading about and studying about since I was a teenager, I realized this really needed to come into 
um, to help us get to that place where we could, I could then implement some of the good things to say and good ways to respond that I was learning about. So, you know, I, I saw that this was a really needed was how do we become less reactive? How do we, you know, always step one of every single advice was pause. I'd be like, but how do you do that? You know, and, and so I really wanted to get, I'm, I'm very practical. I really wanted to get to how do we do this? And, and, you know, the world of mindfulness had a lot of really, really practical tools and like brain hacks that help us to, to then be able to make a conscious choice rather than react on autopilot. Yeah. I love that. When I was, um, deciding to host a summit, you came to my mind. You were one of the first ones because of this component, because like you said, we can feel like we're failing. Why I'm I'm hearing this knowledge, I'm hearing the how-to, but why isn't it working? And after you've worked, you know, you've worked with hundreds of moms and caregivers, why do you think, you know, we struggle so much with the reactivity and the not being able to slow down and the busyness? Well, I mean, I think there's a, a lot of reasons for that. One of the bit, one of the biggest reasons, and it really depends, of course, on every person a little bit individually, but, um, and, and underlying most parents, all parents, especially in the United States, there's this underlying instability in that we have very little support for parents you know, in general. So that's really important to understand. But for moms in particular, um, you know, we were, sometimes it's hard for us to actually take the steps that we need to do to, to take care of ourselves so that then we can then show up for our kids because, uh, because we were taught by misguided traditions that self-sacrifice is noble. And that's actually a really toxic idea, but it's pretty deeply ingrained in our you know, kind of patriarch in our patriarchal culture, that our value comes from serving others and that our own needs should be put last. And even the word selfless is like this, like, uh, you know, this ad admiring word that we use for people. And in fact, it's, it can, it's really toxic it, when we put our own needs last, when we don't take care of our sleep, our, you know, ability to get regular exercise, our ability to see, you know, supportive family and friends and all those, the ability to just take a break when we don't, we put aside all those needs, it really just leads to burnout and resentment. And then our kids get our worst, not our best. So it, this kind of underlying toxic idea can can really undermine it. And sometimes we're not even aware that that's something that's driving us. It can just be a feeling of kind of a vague feeling of not good enough, or I have to keep going or have to keep checking things off the to-do list to feel like I'm good enough or to feel worthy. And yet we get to the end of the list and we don't. And so it, we really, it's really a, a practice of taking care of our own value, taking care of our own worth all, you know, on the regular, on a regular basis. That's really where that sense of realizing our worth, I think, comes from. Yeah. I love that we show up as our worst, not our best. And how did you see when you started realizing that I need to slow down and be less busy and you got into the being mindful. What did that look like for you? 
Well, I had started a meditation practice before I was pregnant with my daughter. And at that time I thought, oh, I was like, I was, I had finally started this practice after years, like 10 years of reading about it. And then I, <laughs> I finally was like, and then I remember being like pregnant and sitting in a group with my big pregnant belly thinking, oh yeah. I got this. She's going to be, we're going to be so calm and peaceful. Look at us. We're like, man, it's going to be amazing. Of course. Yeah. Right. And you know, it all kind of goes out the window, but as I could see in that time, I was telling you about when my temper was arising, I realized that I really needed to go back to that practice and I really need to make time for it, you know, no matter what, even if it's really small and something that's really small can actually have a really big impact. But for, for me in my life, and I talk to people about all kinds of different ways to practice mindfulness, but for me in my life, it was, um, you know, I had to, you know, I got up and I, I sat for five minutes when, you know, as soon as I could. And I talked to my partner about, you know, he, he would get up with her and things like that. And I, I would make it a priority. I would also, I would take her to uh childcare at the YMCA so I could exercise. And my, my second daughter loved childcare, but my first daughter did not, she did not like it. They'd have to come get me 10 minutes after going to work out and then 15 minutes and then 20 minutes. And a lot of that, when we get to that idea of like the self, you know, when we're in, you know, imbued with that idea of the self-sacrificing mother, a lot of people say, Oh, my child doesn't, is uncomfortable, doesn't like this situation. I'm just going to, you know, put prioritize my child's needs over my own. But I knew that I needed that time. I knew that I needed to exercise. Like I'm like a, you know, I'm like a a racehorse. You need to run me, you know, so you can just like get the, <laughs> my energy out and feel relaxed then, right? And I need, I knew I needed to do that. And so I you know, I said, no, I know my, my child doesn't love this. I can tell she doesn't love this, but you know what? It's fine for her to be uncomfortable for one hour of her day. And that's the benefits of me being able to then de-stress, feel good in my body, sleep better at night is, is going to help her enormously. And it did. So I, I think that's something that we have to step back and look at the big picture. You know, our when we have kids, babies or teens or tweens, whatever age, you know, when they're babies, like, yeah, their needs are more immediate. But no matter what age they are, teens or tweens, it's your needs are just as important as your kids' needs. They're just as important. They both have to happen. So we can't just push ours aside. Yeah, I love that. It's such a good reminder. I thought it was interesting, the title that um, you chose for our talk, and you make the connection to actually taking the time out of our busyness and being more present with raising kinder, confident, and conscious kids. What's the connection there? I think it's important to talk about because, you know, when we think about what do we want for our kids, right? We want them to be kinder, conscious, you know, confident, all those things. Right. But what we forget is like, we can't just like put those things in our kids. They need to see those things modeled. They need mm -hmm. to see, and our best parenting is in modeling, right? We know that 
I mean, the best example of this is like dropping the F-bomb, right? We know if we drop the F-bomb every day for three days, that is going to be all over our kids' language, right? So <laughs> we know we try, most of us, we maybe try not to do it, right, as best we can. And so when we think about raising kind, confident, conscientious kids, we have to model that. If I want my kids to, to feel, I mean, really when I think about what I want for my kids. It's, I want them to feel comfortable in their own skin. Yeah. I know that if they're comfortable in their own skin, they can then do the work to get the grades that they, for the things that they care about. They can pursue the things they want to do. They can rise up to meet the challenges. If they don't have that inherent stability and confidence and ease in their own skin, everything's going to be harder. So I want that for them. I have to give that to me. And what that means is slowing down for us. We tend to, you know, there's a, an inherent discomfort in being human and being conscious. It's not easy to be a conscious human being. It's hard. We have this inherent nervous system that's wired to be looking for threat. We have an inherent negativity bias to our minds, to our thoughts. We're always on the lookout for something that's going wrong. We're scanning for that. So if we're not consciously practicing things to help us be less judgmental, help us to be less negative, help us to relax and have ease in the present moment, we will be anxious, we will be prone towards the negative and we will be scanning for a threat. That's just that the baseline of what it is to be a human, right? So if we want our kids to be able to, to have those things, we wanna show them how to do it. So, I mean, for instance, an example of this is when, um, when my second daughter was little, she went to this Montessori school. It's just like a really short walk from my house. It's basically just a, like a one block away. And it was only like three hours in the morning. So I would run. I would literally be like, drop her off and be like, I'm out of here and run home. <laughs> and I thought this was great because I would get more done. But this idea of that goes back to this idea of this like this worthiness, right? Like we need to get all these things done to, to feel the sense of worthiness. Plus our nervous system, any single time we're hurrying, our nervous system registers that as a threat. Because if we were hunter-gatherer ancient ancestors before there was watches and times, there was never, ever, ever any need to hurry unless there was something wrong. So instead I said, okay, I got to practice what I'm preaching here. And I decided to mindfully walk that short walk home and I would breathe and I would take in the place around me I would notice my chaotic thoughts and I bring them back to my breathing and my walking and it did take longer to get home but I when I got home I was more at ease I was more relaxed I was better to, able to actually focus on the things that I did need to get done and I was just able to be more present for my kids because I wasn't all hyped up on trying to get it all done and that feeling of not enoughness of, of the doing next thing, next thing, next thing. Wow. Just by a little practice, a little practice of slowing down. It's so good. Don't you all just feel as you listen to her? It's like my shoulders were up. <laughs> I'm like, yes, you know, it's just hearing you talk about it. Can't just slowing down 
it, it sounds so easy, but you know, just such a good reminder of how our kids benefit. Uh, you have six tips and you've already, you know, shared some of them. Um, and they're from your chapter 42 in your book. And number one is choose not to be busy. And we're like, ha, 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 ha. You know? so how do we choose to not be busy? I mean, yeah. So yeah, that first tip is like to try to see it as a choice and, yeah. and it can be a choice, right? Like it may not be like a conscious choice that you've, I've chosen to be very busy, but we can start to see it as a choice and we can look at it and, you know, it might be habit, it might be social conditioning, but it is it can be a choice in that it is within your power to change it. Okay. Mm. And I think that's really the key. Like it is within our power to change. Um, and so the other things are about things we can do to sort of change that, to be a little less busy and cultivate a little more ease and then help our kids cultivate some ease. So um, the next yeah. one is one, this is one I really like is to take a Sabbath day, like a day of like no work day. Um, this could be a full day or like one afternoon a week, basically. And you don't check email, you don't check social media, you don't work, you don't schedule much. Um, I, uh, I recently did a talk in Laramie, Wyoming, and to get to Laramie, it takes some time to get there is way away from everything but anyway so it took me like this sort of whole weekend to be there but what I did is I scheduled a Sabbath day like a recovery day in the middle of the week on a Tuesday and that was kind of hard for me like there were things I had to do but I knew that everything I do everything I did would be less would have a, a lesser quality a quality of not being as good. If I was not, if I did not take a day to just take, take a break, not look at my screen, I worked in my garden, I did other things. And it was a little hard to say, okay, I, there are things on my to-do list, but they're going to wait. It, my priority is my own mental and emotional well-being to then be able to show up for the things that I do want to do. So this is something in my family we do once a week. We have a screen-free Sunday. We just take a break. We literally turn off the internet that day. But we don't, don't deal with it. And it can be just very healing because we want to, we end up putting like more distraction into our minds and into our mental diet. And that makes us feel more agitated. And so we feel more agitated. So then we do more mental distraction. And, and it's just, we need to have some time where we say, okay, enough. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. So good. Number yeah. three, choose to be one activity. Person. Yeah. This is hard. So when your kids are young, I encourage you to just do one activity or sport per season. This can be really hard when there's so much pressure. We have five-year-olds playing soccer and all of that, you know. Um, and when they're older, when they're teens and tweens, this is one of the things that we encourage them to do is to take a lot more responsibility for their activities. Like we encourage them to find rides or my daughter takes, we had an electric bike. So my daughter can ride her bike, the three miles to her after, after to school activity and back really easily. So just asking them to take, make, 
it doesn't all have to be your problem and your responsibility to draw them into the problem solving conversation. And that what that means is understanding your own needs, your own need not to be a taxi service, right? So how are, are there other ways that you can carpool and car share and things like that? I the love fourth, The fourth thing is to not multitask. This can be a big ask, but just do one thing at a time. And this sounds like hard and crazy, but ultimately like you will be more productive. Multitasking is a myth. You're really switching your brain back and forth really quickly between things. Try to just like maybe open, you know, don't have bazillions of tabs open on your computer. Try to just focus on the one thing at a time. And it's amazing. Actually, you will be more productive when you do this. I'm sorry to say. Yeah, there's a lot of brain research, right? That multitasking does not work. No, no, it actually doesn't work. Um, the fifth one is to plan downtime in your schedule. If you have like a big event coming up, you know, like I did with this talk, like plan that recovery day. If your kids have, if you know, if you are do going to like a water park one day, like just plan nothing the next day, plan a down day. If you have a big event in your family, try to try to as best you can balance busy days with calm days in your schedule, create some space because, you know, a lot with our, even with our experiences and our events, a lot of us were like, like a little kid with a pile of toys. How much do we appreciate the toy in the middle of the pile, right? Like if we're going to get the most out of each thing, if we're going to be able to be present for the things we want to be able to be there, right? So plan, plan, put it actually into this schedule, into the calendar. And then the final one is one that I really love and I use all the time. I use this constantly. It's a little mantra that has really helped me so much throughout the years. And it, so I invite you to remind yourself that there is more than enough time for everything important. Ah. time for everything important and the, and what happens is yes sometimes the unimportant things fall off your list or they fall off your schedule but that means they weren't really important to begin with so invite yourself to give yourself to remind yourself that there is more than enough time for the important things that's so good yeah that little mantra of reminding yourself there is enough time <laughs> Um, not to live in that scarcity. And I love too that the taking the day off because what I have found, I just tried an experiment and I actually found that when I took a day off, I was more productive. I'm like, I'm just going to see, you know, and it did fill my bucket. And then I did have more energy and I got so much more accomplished on Monday when I did that. So, yeah, I love that. Um Good, so Sarah. yeah, high five. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. We have to challenge ourselves, you know, against these false beliefs we have. So super helpful tips. Um, so tell us quickly as we're getting, um, you know, ready to wrap up, you have a little breathing exercise. And I thought I would love to hear about your breathing exercise so we can, we can practice it after this. Okay. Well, there are a couple that I really like. The one that I'm currently into, um, that I'm really practicing every day, like for, you know, 
I'm practicing sort of five minutes before my meditation in the morning is one from Dr. Andrew Weil, the Harvard trained um, medical doctor, and it's called 478 breathing. And it just has a little hold in the middle. So, but the point of it is to exhale longer than you inhale because each inhale is like a mini fight, flight, or freeze stress response. And each exhale is like a mini opposite parasympathetic rest and relax response. So if you want, we can try it together and we're just going to count. Well, I'll just tell you what it is first. We're going to inhale for four, hold for a count of seven, and then exhale for eight. Okay? okay. But the hold, if it makes you uncomfortable, just skip that part. No big deal. So um, let's take a deep breath in for a count of four. Okay. Hold. And exhale for eight. Again, inhale, hold, and exhale for eight. One last time, inhale four, hold, and exhale eight. And then just notice how you feel. It feels good. Yeah. Uh, and just it really makes a difference. And, yeah. And it's like pushing all that stress out too. Like just letting, that's how it feels to me. It's like letting the stress out. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Kind of caught up in there. Yeah. So good. Thank you. Well, you have a freebie for us. And I know I want everybody to go to your website for you to share with them about your website because you have breathing, you know, meditations. You have so many awesome resources. But your freebie is you just yelled at your kid now. What? Mm -hmm. So tell us about that. Yeah. I mean, I think that we're all going to be human. We're all going to make mistakes and you have permission to be human. It's really hard. We're all going to not be at our best at some moments. So this is just a quick guide with five steps to do to reconnect and repair once you've lost, when you've lost it at your kid. And I think that these are all things that we could all use to just begin anew. And that's the thing that is the most important thing. You know, it's incredibly hard doesn't help to beat up on ourselves. We just need to start again, again, yeah. and again, and again. So here, are, these are five ways to do that. Wonderful. Again, and again, and again, because we're human, we're going to make mistakes. Yeah. So I encourage everybody to get that super helpful and then tell them where to find you. Oh, you can find me at mindfulmamamentor.com and you can find the Mindful Parenting Podcast anywhere podcasts are. And then the books you can find anywhere books are sold, raising good humans and raising good humans every day. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Hunter, so much for being with us and for what you're putting out into the world and helping us to just be more connected to ourselves and connected to our kids and calmer and more peaceful so that we can raise kind, confident humans, so conscious humans. So thank you so much. Thank you, Cheryl. I really appreciate it. I appreciate what you're doing. Thank you.